Me Time and Murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, well, big surprise. Tres, what are you drinking? I am drinking a nice lemon and ginger tea. It's just the Aldi own brand one, but it's pretty good. Jaren got me this lovely um, grapefruit infusion tea from uh, Marks and Spencer's. He got it. To, he got it for me for Christmas. Okay, and what about your beauty pampering? I'm going to put on a little Garnier Moisture Balm face mask. It was given to me by my best friend. She gave me three. I'm going to use the lavender one today. And she's one of our earliest listeners. So shout out. Thank you for these. They're so lovely. Um, and I have mm-hmm. been putting them in my little, uh, God, what would you call it? Mini fridge that you got me for Christmas. <laughs> so they're like God, super I forgot. cold. Yeah. I, got... I forgot I bought that for you. I know. <laughs> you probably bought it ages ago yeah and so they're they're really nice and cold which will just be extra depuffing and I think this one is for tired skin it's like a they're kind of moisture bomb it's like the hyaluronic acid but it has this one has lavender which I've never used before I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that how is the mini fridge it's really good it actually holds quite a lot sort of deceiving mm-hmm. you know like you think it wouldn't hold that much but it does so, so mm-hmm. it's working out pretty good and I think where, Dan's where have you got it kept Dan is jealous. Yeah, he's like, I want a mini fridge. Because you can put like your drinks in it as well, you know, just like have a wee cold yep. drink. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, it's just in my office, so I, I pretty much don't have to leave this room now. It's great. So, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. What are you doing today for your me time? I've got some coconut oil in my hair. Um, I'll have to wash it out after and my hair will be nice and shiny, ready for work tomorrow. And I'll smell like coconuts. Oh, nice. So today we're going to talk about the Suffolk Strangler. I don't think I know a lot about this person. Yeah, I didn't know a lot about um, him either. I knew of him. And it is our first listener request. Green Man 1991. He left us a review on Apple Podcast. Oh, nice. Saying he loved the podcast. Yeah. And he wanted us to do the Suffolk Strangler. Okay. Um, because he, uh huh, I think he thinks it'll be interesting. Maybe he's from Ipswich. I'm not too sure. So, do you know anything about the Suffolk Strangler? I know. He strangled people. He definitely strangled <laughs> people. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to start this episode. It's basically going to be from the victim's perspective. Oh, like, God. all of like the articles and documentaries I watch, they all started from the victim's perspective okay Hmm. Um, i'm curious now if it's their perspective did any of them survive or like were to be interviewed or okay no this is just we're imagining i I suppose they just piece this together from the evidences this is what happened so i think it's good to start like to do some cases from the victim's perspective Mm -hmm. in this case they're they were all sex workers but like also i think that like one of the reasons why a lot of people when they cover are a lot of content when they cover the Suffolk Strangler is because we don't know a lot about his life. Oh. He has he doesn't he doesn't give interviews. Oh. Like he denied everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't talk about why they did it 
or they don't talk about their life they don't talk about their childhood mm-hmm. like there's not really much to go, to go off. off but I tell you what mm-hmm. I find that very creepy when someone doesn't want to talk it's like what is going on in that head yeah it's just yeah. creepier to me it is creepy and it's also quite frustrating because yeah. it's like it is it's frustrating and it's kind of selfish because like the mm-hmm. police and people like to have that information so that we can, you know, find the next weirdo. But if yeah. you're just like to- keeping it all mm-hmm. in, then it's almost like not a waste. But you know, you know what I'm saying. It's sort of like a real fuck you. Yeah. Like it's really yeah. like there's no remorse at mm-hmm. all. Like. Mm-hmm. Because it's the littlest thing that you can do is to allow for the police and like psychologists to Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. what you think and how to avoid these things and, Mm -hmm. you know, like how to pick up on people like you. And he's like, nah, I don't care. Real asshole right to the end. So this story today, it, it begins in Ipswich around the winter of like 2006. And during this time, there was an increase in drug use and addiction, which had in turn led to an increase in women, you know, like resorting to sex work. Mm-hmm. And at the time... I just I just wonder how these spikes in drug use happen. I mean, is it affected by, you know, is there underemployment going on? You know, mm. it, it, like... I just wonder why there would be a spike in drug use. There has to be some economic or social reason, you know, to get wider, mm-hmm. wider reason for that. I wonder. That's a good point. Like, do you think just drug lords, drug people are just like, you know, Ipswich has a low drug oh, use. Let's just start selling. Yeah, okay. Let's start selling in Ipswich. Do you think it's something like that? Yeah, or some new guys come to town and yeah, he wants to tap into. Yeah, it's just like drugs become more available in a certain area, maybe. Maybe. So with an increase in drug use, you know, usually to support a habit, people will resort to sex work. Yeah. There was an estimate of over 100 sex workers in Ipswich at the time. And I don't know if. It doesn't feel like a lot. It doesn't feel like a lot. Well, how big is it? I don't know. Ipswich, I think it's a it's meant to be a lot. I have no perception of what a lot of no. sex workers are. Like if you were to tell me no how idea. many are in Cork. On the second of December two thousand and six, a member of the public discovered what he thought was a mannequin in Belstead Brook, a river in Suffolk. But on further inspection of this mannequin, it of course turned out to not be a mannequin, but the naked body of a young woman. Oh Twenty five year old Gemma. Adams. Why do they always have to be naked? It's awful. So many cases, people always automatically jump to mannequin. Why do they jump to mannequin? What is that all about? You don't see mannequins lying about. Right? That's not a thing. And I've, uh-huh. always, I've never seen a mannequin never. Like, outside of a shop. questioned it as well. Like, if I seen a dead body, touch wood, hopefully never ever. But, oh, sorry, I have, obviously, but at funerals. But I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think my head would go there. My head would immediately go to murder, you know? <laughs> like it just would. That's because we are into true crime. <laughs> we would see a shoe, a shoe on the pavement. Murder. 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 <laughs> <laughs> or a handbag. Definitely murder. Murder. <laughs> that woman has been kidnapped. Totally. We must yep. like trace her back. But like, what a sheltered little guy that thinks it's a manic. I don't know. 
you know? Oh, You don't, well, some people don't jump to the worst conclusions. I know. Mm, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> Poor Gemma had disappeared on the 15th of November. What year are we in, sorry? About, sorry, we're in 2006. Okay, you said that, sorry. Okay, okay. So she had disappeared about two weeks ago. Um, Gemma was from a middle-class family, but unfortunately, as a teenager, she began experimenting with drugs, which okay. escalated into an addiction to heroin. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Intense. So she began supplementing her income with sex work. Totally unbeknownst to her family, her partner was also a heroin addict, and Gemma had lost her job because of her lifestyle habits, and her family was completely unaware that she was on heroin and a sex worker. Yeah, that would be a lot to take in if you didn't know any of that, wouldn't it? You God, know you what? Can you imagine if you were a parent and your daughter, your 25-year-old daughter, just turns up naked, dead and, and naked. that's how you in find, a, out, find out. In a river. Yeah. Oh, she's been on heroin and selling sex. Yeah, that is a lot to take in. Oh, my God. Devastating. 25 oh my god it's awful mm-hmm. and when you have a partner who's using as well that's a very vicious cycle to get out of mm-hmm. you know only six days later on the 8th of december 19 year old tanya nichols her body was also discovered in a different body of water huh. tanya was actually a friend of Gemma adams no. the first the first lady the first woman uh-huh. tanya had been missing since october 30th So she had been missing for over a month when she was found. Tanya had left home at 16, deciding to live in a hostel. It sounds like she had, she had like a rough upbringing. Okay. And she found herself also working as a sex worker to fund her addiction to heroin and cocaine. Oh no, she's got two on the go. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's 16. She was 16 when she was addicted to heroin. And cocaine. How do you get to cocaine and heroin when you're 16? Aren't there lots of in-between drugs? Like, how do you get there so fast? Girl, wow. I guess once someone shoots you up, that's it. They got you. I believe that's how it works. I believe it too. But then I always wonder, is it really, once you have it once, is that really it? You're addicted? I don't think for coke, but I think for heroin. That could I think be for heroin, yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't do heroin. Don't do heroin. Oh, so many of our stories include heroin. Heroin is ridiculous. It's mm. the worst of the worst. Mm. I'm really scared of it. I know I'm never yeah. going to come into contact with it, but it just freaks me out so much what it does to people. I remember whenever we were kids, we would say, I'll try anything once. I'll try heroin. <laughs> On my deathbed, I'm going to try heroin. <laughs> and it's just what like... doctor's going to give you that. <laughs> I'll sort you out. I'll arrange that for you, Mariam. Don't you worry. Oh, great. But then it's like, she wasn't going <laughs> to die. And then it's like, no. And then you're like addicted. And then I like... Actually, she's going to live. Like, God damn it. We should not be laughing. Like, this is awful. <laughs> Tress, she only broke her leg. Why are you giving her heroin? <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, what do they call it whenever a mercy killing? Or what? <laughs> it's like... She's fine. Oh, dear. <laughs> Mercy killing. What, suffocating me with a yeah, pillow? Just, like, injecting me with it. No, this is too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. God. Anyway, but, okay. Get the right tone. Yeah. Okay. I still have a smile on my face. Okay. 
Me too. <laughs> God damn it. I was smiling oh, no. my face thinking about killing you. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I'm going to that. Tanya. She had been previously fired from massage parlors under the suspicion that she was using drugs. So she had also lost her jobs. Okay. Tanya's mum was also completely unaware of her young daughter's life and was under the impression that Tanya was working in a bar. Oh, that's crazy close. Although I wonder, did she die before Gemma? Because she was missing before Gemma. Yes, she was missing on the 30th. But they just find them in that order. They're, yeah, I'm reading it in the order that they were found. They're found, yeah, 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 yeah. Two days later, on the 10th of December, a third victim was found by a different member of the public. This time, the body was found in a forested area, so like the woods. She was later identified as 24-year-old Anneli Alderton. Anneli was found naked and posed in a crucifixion form. Oh my lord. Mm-hmm. Weird that there's no body of water in this one, but yeah, there's mm-hmm. this crucifixion, which is new. Can you imagine mm-hmm. three girls in six days? This is crazy. Yeah. like If you were the police, you'd be freaking out. Like This does mm-hmm. not happen. This is so different to other serial killers where they do it. This is, what are they called? A spree killer? It's like... Yes. A, uh, hmm? Yeah, it would be spree because it's so look how close they are together. Like a lot of serial killers, like the organized serial killers, they kill and then they kill like maybe like a year later. Mm. And it's the spaces between get smaller. But this guy is just going crazy. <sighs> Anneli was also found that she was three months pregnant. Oh God, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Anneli became addicted to drugs whenever she was 16 shortly after dealing with her father's death from lung cancer in 1998. Ah, oh, this is so sad. After her father's death, Anneli went on to be a mother of one and actually lived in Essex. Okay. And there is video footage of Anneli using the train to get from Essex to Ipswich oh. to begin her sex work. So she didn't do sex work in Essex. Probably yes, because I she, that's quite common to go to the next town or the I'd next say so. I'd say so. Just like the other two victims, Anneli was also strangled to death. With three bodies in just eight days, the police made a public announcement. They were like, oh my God, there's a serial killer. So they made a public announcement that all women were to stay away from Ipswich's red light district. Okay. Then, just two days later, on the 12th of December, two more bodies were found. Oh, two more bodies. Mm-hmm. So we've got five bodies in eight we've days? We've got Gemma, Tanya, and Nelly, and two more, so we've got five. Wow. The fourth victim was 24-year-old Paula Clonell, who had been missing since the 10th of December. She, too, had been strangled to death. And just like... Anneli, Paula was strangled to death, then disposed of naked. Prior to her death, Paula said to a friend that she was a bit weary about about getting into cars because of the recent murders all over the news. God, could you imagine how scared you'd be? I know. So there's like being, the police have made an announcement that basically the sex workers shouldn't go, Mm -hmm. shouldn't go to work Mm -hmm. because there is a guy targeting them. Yeah. And so Paula, who ended up becoming a victim, was mm-hmm. reluctant and hesitant. But she, yeah. She said she needed the money. God. And went anyway. So, so sad. Yeah. 
Paula was a mother of three. Unfortunately, all of her children had been taken into care and adopted due to her really bad drug addiction. Oh, at least they were adopted, though. That's mm-hmm. nice that they're with a family. Paula herself had spent time in and out of childhood, like foster homes and oh. orphanages. I su- I don't think we really have orphanages anymore. But I'm sort not of clear like, on that too. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think we do. Orphanages aren't aren't good, but maybe like homes, like, yeah, but like group homes for children, sort of. But thing. I'd say. I'd say they're always looking to place them with a family. I wouldn't like, yes, like the yeah, the way orphanages were in the past, where they basically lived there properly. Like, oh yeah, God. they don't really exist anymore. And it was shortly after being placed there that she started taking drugs. The second, the fifth, the fifth victim was found on the twelfth of December. Was twenty nine year old Annette Nichols, who had been missing since the eighth of December. Annette was also found naked and, like Anelli, was also posed in a crucifixion position. Weird. Annette was also a mother of one from Ipswich. Her family reported her missing after they grew concerned at the news of all the other murders and the fact that she had just, you know, she had not came home. Uh Annette had also been struggling with drug addiction, working in the sex trade to support herself she had recently moved into a housing association and asked her mum to look after her son. So it seems like she was aware that she was not coping mm-hmm. and she couldn't be a fit parent, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's very responsible to recognise that. Yeah, it's the best thing to do, yeah. Paula and Annette were found in Nacton, an area very close to the Forsyth area where Anelli had been found. So the serial killer has went from strangling and killing and dumping these women from the water to the forest. Yeah, strange mm-hmm. move. And this whole crucifixion business, I mean, are they just kind of laid out on the ground in that position? Do you know? Or From what I read, i seen that the, the suspect was cleaning the bodies, like... Mm-hmm. And taking their clothes away on purpose. Mm. But like the crucifixion, they're not hanging from a cross. No, they're on the ground. Yeah, just, they're just they posed have been with the arms out. Posed, yeah. Because okay. it's an unnatural way if you're to drop somebody down, they wouldn't na- naturally oh, yeah, fall like that. Oh, yeah, he's posed them. Yeah, it's just... Mm-hmm. They're definitely yeah, posed. I wonder what's going through his creepy little head there. A member of the public had noticed Annette's body lying just six metres away from the main road in the forest so like either he was driving by or he pulled over mm-hmm. and he got out of the car and he could see just right in at the forest that there was a body in there so he calls the police and the police get a helicopter the helicopter was dispatched to the scene and as they are flying to the scene of the body mm-hmm. that's when they spot paula's body so oh they just my seen god it. that's yeah. why the two were found in the one day yeah madness i got mm. really excited there and i thought you were going to say they seen him fleeing from the scene i was like yes <laughs> they got him because no. he had a bird's this, eye view yeah this but is say not she was probably there a while this is not prison break unfortunately ah, mm. love that it's a good show so the suffolk police immediately linked all of the killings they knew they had a serial killer on their hand and mm-hmm. so a murder investigation was launched immediately The detective knew that the body's locations were not the murder scenes. 
They knew that the murders were committed elsewhere mm-hmm. and the women's bodies had been dumped. Must be so frustrating because then how do you find the murder scene? How frustrating is that? Yeah, I right. believe they would have used like that's so much they harder. Have these like fibers and stuff, and yeah, all that stuff then, isn't like, very reliable oh, anymore. So de- are they not? Well, like it's very very circumstantial evidence. Mm, I don't even to go off hard, fibers from a car. <sighs> yeah, it just makes it so much harder. A few handbags and coats had been recovered from the scene and had to be tested to see if the DNA matched the victims. Why did he leave them there? What an idiot! Yeah, that's is really it, is he trying to taunt them thinking. or what? Or I don't know. Messy, sloppy, sloppy work. Yeah. See, this is the thing. This is very frustrating. You want to know why? Yeah, were they... why did you leave the handbag? Go to all the effort yeah. of, let's say, he obviously had to get in some sort of car, go mm-hmm. to the forest and take her out and undress, all mm-hmm. that effort, and then, like, leave a handbag? What? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Yeah, left the handbag and, like, the bodies. And why did you go from water to the forest? Mm-hmm. Why were you so lazy and only went six feet, but the other girl was mm-hmm. much more further yeah, into the forest? a lot forest? of questions there, yeah. It's very frustrating, but he doesn't answer. He doesn't give us any answers. Like, we don't even know where he committed the crimes. Was it in his car? Or did he bring them home? Was it in a hotel? (sighs) Yeah. So basically, in order to catch this person, they knew that all of these women, they were sex workers. They were known sex workers in the red light district. Uh So the police, they just went to the red light district and started, like, pulling over men who were picking up sex sex workers Uh Uh so this is what the police you know were doing and also obviously they had were taking calls and tips from the public as well Uh on the 18th of december this is all happening so quickly we started on the 6th of december yeah yeah so it's like two weeks later on the 18th of december 2006 suffolk arrested a 37 year man on suspicion of murdering all five women The courts allowed police to hold him for a maximum of 96 hours. The next day, on the 19th of December, police arrested a second suspect at a residence in Ipswich on suspicion of committing one murder. The courts gave police 36 hours to question the second suspect in detention. So the first suspect, because they thought he had five, he Mm -hmm. was like linked to all five women Mm -hmm. he had picked up all five women Mm -hmm. they were like we believe it's this guy Mm -hmm. but by the end of the 36 hours the prosecutor announced that they were charging the second suspect with all five murders yeah i thought that was gonna happen the second suspect was stephen wright the first suspect was released and i was i just made a note how scary for that guy yeah dude he nearly went down for it oh my god can you imagine like I wonder why they suspected him. Because he was using the sex workers. But is that literally the only thing? I think so. Right, they want to get be getting up to some shifty stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They'd want to have more to go on than just you picked up a sex worker. Could so many people do that? I know, right? Like, yeah. I suppose he didn't do it. So I was telling my friend about the Suffolk that I was doing the Suffolk Strangler, mm-hmm. and he is actually my friend is from Ipswich. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he kind of knew the guy, the first suspect. Stop it. Yeah. Apparently he's like, he works, at least he used to, like at the time, was working in the local Tesco. No way. But like for him to have been suspected of all five. 
what was it that made them, you know, so, I don't know. I think that the police were watching the area to see, like, they were noting down the cars. Like, yeah, who maybe was he frequented mo- a lot. Most like a frequenting. Lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe he visited particular brothels. Are brothels even still a thing? I'm sure they are. But I know, think there were brothels, If yeah. he frequented particular ones where these girls maybe were associated with them, that would be a red flag, th- wouldn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. God, he must so, be kicking himself. Can you imagine? Wish oh. I didn't go so many times. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. But I suppose you never think that's going to happen. Sure you don't. But I mean, if there's a killer targeting these sex workers, I think it would put mm-hmm. me off going. If, if I was I wouldn't who, go. Uh, you know, because you, you, you could get mixed up in it all and that's what happened to him. So yeah, probably should have took a break. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Stephen Wright. Stephen okay. Wright was born April 24th, 1958. Um, so he seemed to have a kind of unstable, like upper class family. Okay. He was one of four children. His dad was a military policeman and his mom was a veterinary nurse. Okay. Nice job. Yeah, they both have good jobs. I wonder, was the dad tough, tough on him? Well, he is military. He might have been tough. That's a stereotype, obviously, but it like, is I'm, a stereotype. Just, I'm just wondering. Mm-hmm. For a while, his family was stationed in Malta and then Singapore. Oh, so, very nice. Although, although that's nice and fun, it can be quite unstable, unstable for children. For you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he an only mm-hmm. child? No, he had three. Three brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. No offense to all the only children out there, but it's always suspicious. <laughs> It's like a lot of these people are like only only checked. In the 60s, um, Stephen is quite young. He's maybe not even 10 years old when his parents get divorced Mm -hmm. and they both remarry. Okay. Like this is what I mean. It's like I wouldn't really say that he had an unstable. Very similar to a lot of people's childhood. This is a very normal The other thing is it's never an excuse anyway. So a lot of people have friggin horrendous childhoods and they go on to do yeah. great things i mean it's just it's just a divorce like yeah and you moved around whenever you were a kid mm-hmm. so he went to live with his father who who then fathered two more children with his new wife okay some people say some articles i read said he was not up for this and okay. Stephen didn't like his new stepmom right. and it's like and what yeah like i would feel bad for him generally but because of what he did i don't really care like i'd say Mm -hmm. it is rough having to start with a new family and everything but like she could be lovely you never know in an interview with the guardian steven's father says that his ex-wife like steven's mom abandoned them leaving steven to feel like he was always searching for a mother figure However, Stephen's mother, she denies this claim and she said that she was forced to leave, like she had to flee the family because mm-hmm. it was starting to grow violent. It was becoming violent and okay. she wanted to take the children with her when she fled, but she was afraid the father would stop her from taking them. So she just left. Okay. And it's basically he, sh- he said, she yeah, said, she should. Yeah, knows like. But to me, nothing really scream serial killer serial rapist serial killer no no i mean the abandoned by the mother what age would he have been sorry at that about 10 Eh. like it is young 
It's hard to know. It is a rough age because I feel like you can remember some things all right. I don't mm-hmm. you know. I don't know a lot about how that would affect a child. But mm. So Stephen dropped out of school at 16 with zero qualifications. He then worked as a waiter for two years. Then in 1974, when he was about 18, he joined the Navy. And this is where he was first introduced to sex workers. Ah, the good old Navy. Why do they love it so much? It's because they're at sea. What is that all about? Why is that stereotype I think it's like there? such a thing because, because they're like literally floating in water. There is just never a chance mm. because they can't escape. Whereas, you know, like... Do you get what I'm saying? If you're on land, you can visit visit the nearest town or whatever. So I think like I when they dock, they just go mm-hmm. bananas, I guess. <laughs> because it's like, when are we going to get it again? And, and I mean, like the saying of he has a woman in every port is like, mm-hmm. it's 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 re- related to that, like sailors and stuff. I like you can say that about ev- any guy, but it comes from that. I think so, yeah. So, and this, visiting the sex workers, this is a habit he would continue throughout his whole life. Like, Wow. I wonder if does that get expensive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like an extra mm. bill. Like, a few years some later. I just really like it. Huh? Know, sorry. 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 I don't know. I just guess some people just really like it. A few years later, Stephen married. What? And a few... Yes, I know. He got married. This is so oh, crazy. He wants that free sex. <laughs> And a few years later, they had a child. Oh my God, no, this is the worst. A few years later, they they divorced. Thank God she got away from him. (laughs) Oh, could you imagine if you were her and you find out, oh God. I know that your ex-husband. I think the child is the worst part. It's like, oh, I had a child with that person. I know, or like the child, hopefully the child doesn't know. But like, oh my, that's my dad. I know how how you would want to try to keep that from them. Yeah. Oh Mm -hmm. God. Actually, he'd be like around our age. Oh God. His his child. Yeah. After leaving the Navy, Stephen worked as a steward on an ocean liner for a few years. And this is where he met his second wife. Oh my God. This guy gets to have two wives. A few years later, they got married. And they got married because they wanted to run a business together. And for some reason, they had to be married for this. I don't know. Mm. It's very confusing. So Stephen and his new wife, they managed a pub together in the red light district. <laughs> where <laughs> I think this is where he became very, very much a frequenter. And like, what was his business? Do you know? A pub. Oh, a pub. Okay. Okay. They managed a pub, yeah. Do you think he just wanted to be super close by? Oh, yeah. Um, this pub that he ran as well, it was a meeting point for many of like this, the local sex workers. So he like knew them all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So when they find out who it is, I bet you they're all freaking out. Like, we know him. Yeah. Well, Crazy. Yeah. That is so... Like, he was like kind of like hiding in plain sight almost, you know, like amongst them. Yeah, oh, so right. creepy. And then a few years later, he got divorced from his second wife. Run, you girl, yeah. A year after that, Stephen began another relationship with one of the bartenders. Okay. And then they went on to manage another bar together until she fell pregnant. But no. this relationship didn't last either because they split before the daughter's first birthday in 1992. So yeah, that's 92. How, how does he get 
How does he wait so long until 2016 till he starts doing all this crazy shit? 2006. Oh, sorry. I thought it was 16. No, no, no. We're only... You can cut that out. Four, yes. <laughs> We're only 14 years away. <laughs> <laughs> I can I cut that out. I not I could have swore you said 2016. Anyway. So you can see that he has like got real problems with his relationships with women. Yeah, he can't hold on. He can't hold on to like a single relationship. And there doesn't seem to be much about like I couldn't find anything about if he was like abusive or. But no, I don't like no, no, no. I take that back because there was there is interviews and they said that he was he was super quiet and wouldn't hurt a fly. Well, you see, he wants to keep this under wraps, so he doesn't want to do anything that would draw attention, you know? Yeah, so. you're right. So around the same time, he got fired from his job managing the pub because of his excessive drinking and gambling. Okay. It's an all-around great guy. He's just a big loser. Throughout his life, Stephen worked as a dockyard worker, a steward on the ocean liner, and then a lorry driver, then a bartender, and then a forklift lift driver. So he can't with he can't hold on mm. to like a steady job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things aren't like similar. No, they're very different. Like they're like they're actually like all over the place. It's like it's similar really to Fred seem- West. We haven't we haven't uh we haven't oh god, my we're I'm so hungry that. and tired, I can't think of words. We haven't <laughs> released that yet. But yeah, do you remember he was after. like this will come after. I know it will, but I'm just telling, telling you, like he was like an ice mm-hmm. cream driver and all this weird shit. <laughs> anyway, continue. Anyway, at one point, his mother, who was living in America at the time, flew out to visit Stephen. But apparently, he flew off the handle in a drunken rage and left horrible messages filled with curses on her phone. I think she was trying to like reconcile and rebuild yes. a relationship. Yeah, and it, it was too late. He was he, gone. She came all the way from America for that. Mm-hmm. For in an interview with the like Guardian, in an interview with the Guardian, she said, "If he could say those terrible, horrible things to me, he obviously didn't want anything to do with me." God, I'd so, love to know what he said. Yeah, it didn't say in the article. It must have been bad. It seems that his life was slowly but surely becoming more and more reckless as the years went on. His heavy drinking led him to lose jobs. And he built up huge, huge gambling debts. He had to declare bankruptcy and he tried to end his own life twice. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care because <laughs> because of what he did normally, obviously, I I'd be super sympathetic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. do you know what? If if he had yeah. went through with it, all those girls would have lived. That's right. Or better scenario, he gets mm-hmm. help. If you are suicidal, you you obviously need professional help. Mm-hmm. Someone addresses his issues, and no one has to die. But a lot of men, not to come down too hard on men, but a lot of men they don't want to seek help. They don't want to, you know. There's a real problem with that. Mm-hmm. But it, this guy's probably a narcissist anyway. I don't think he would even want think he needs help. help. Like yeah, mm-hmm. his first attempt was with carbon monoxide poisoning, and he actually sort of left. A suicide note. He sent his ex-girlfriend and the mother of his daughter a note (gasps) saying that he had lost everything and didn't want to be a part-time dad. So it sounds like he felt, you know, pretty shit. He felt like he was a shit dad, which I'm sure he was or is. His second suicide attempt was in 2000. Uh, (laughs) 
after he went to Thailand for 10 days. And then he came back saying that he had sold off all of his possessions to fund this trip to enjoy the service of some exotic sex workers, but had to return to England after a girl scammed him out of everything. Legend. (laughs) Sorry. But anyone who's going to Thailand for a sex, Uh I'm judging you Uh majorly. A lot of those types of countries have like very underage girls. Uh So I'm judging you a lot. And so he tried to kill himself with a bunch of pills. And apparently she came... She, like, did an interview with another article. I'm not going to talk about it, but claiming that they got married in Thailand and, like, she wanted to, like, come to England or something like this. Yeah. Then in 2001, he had a new girlfriend and he... Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. This is exhausting. Like, he just needs to stay away from women. Mm -hmm. In 2001, he moved in with his new girlfriend of a few years. But according to him, the first... Six months were really great until she started to work night shifts at a call center. He said that their sex was basically non-existent. Boo-hoo. So he had she's to start. Night. She's tired. He was living in the red light district when he upped his visits. Mm-hmm. Apparently he would visit Cleopatra's and Oasis after golfing on Saturdays. Did not think that that fit in with his profile, but okay. Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. There is a few, like, there is a few interviews with other people who talk about him. And that, I think that's why they thought it couldn't have been him. Because all he did was talk about golf. Which is such a kind of gentle sport. Right. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> gentle sport. And it's like, kind of, you think of like granddads. Boring and slow. But then there was Tiger Woods. He didn't kill anyone, true. obviously. He just, mm-hmm. he had a wee thing for sex workers as well. But sure, a lot of men do. Mm-hmm. Just don't kill Just don't people. kill. Thanks very yeah. much, yeah. That's like the one rule. Was <laughs> it the one rule? It's the golden yeah. rule. It's like, yeah, the, the, yeah. So he would visit Cleopatra's and Oasis after golf on Saturday or when he got the urge. Lovely. But by October 2006, so we're up to date with the timeline, mm-hmm. he had discovered that he could buy sex for as little as $20. Oh, I'm in America. I am in, I'm in Hong <laughs> you Kong. You don't know where you are. <laughs> I, where am I? We're not where in Kansas anymore. He could buy sex for as little as 20 pounds from the drug addicted and vulnerable women on the streets near his home. I mean, that's absolutely disgusting. But like, what a moron that he's only figuring that out. <laughs> Sorry now, but that's like, lol. Like, mm-hmm. he, he is like obsessed with sex workers. He's only realizing that now. Yeah, that he could get it cheap. That he, yeah, because like brothels are like basically businesses. They're set up. Yep. They're like, it's going to mm-hmm. be more expensive. I don't know. I can't believe it's that cheap. See, like if people are addicted to drugs, they really would do anything. I know, it's really sad. Yeah, it's all, all absolutely awful. And then the other thing is, I suppose they're cheaper because there's no one really regulating them. You know, the brothels mm-hmm. would be, I would understand that they would be checking the girls, you know, mm-hmm. for STIs and things like that. And like, it'd be kind of more of a business. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. on the street on your own, there, there's no regulation or there's no, you know, so like it's going to mm-hmm. be cheaper as well for that. Mm-hmm. yeah the brothel has got like you know bathrooms and a bed and stuff like that yeah like, exactly exactly it's got all that it's overhead like to make a, it more there's expensive there's more amenities and yeah there's more structure whereas yeah 
12 sex workers had serviced him in October, November and December 2006, which is when the bodies had started to turn up because around this time, Stephen was bankrupt. Okay. When Stephen was arrested, his girlfriend protested his innocence on television while his friends and neighbours described him as a quiet, shy and immaculately turned out in a polo shirt and trousers, jeans. He was a gentle man. It's like, this is how they describe him. Just because someone dresses nice. Oh my God. Um, so I guess because Stephen was broke, it was cheaper for him to kill and dispose of these women rather than pay. What an arsehole. 20 yeah. quid. Oh my God. 20 quid. Get over it. Or, like, or just wait for your partner to come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Or just, you know, give yourself a tug in the shower. Yeah, I mean, you just have to ask yourself, like, why has this guy got that urge so much? Oh, my God. It's a sex addiction is the problem. Again, he needs help. Like, this is not normal. During the trial, he said he was a fan of prostitutes and had sex with all five victims, but didn't murder them. (laughs) However, the DNA evidence found on the five women... Uh, quickly disproved that as well as the fiber evidence okay Wright was found guilty of all five murders on the 21st of february 2008 and was sentenced to life imprisonment good with the judge adding that life must mean life infuriatingly Wright's motivations for the murders have never been revealed weird and when interviewed he only ever replies no comment oh my god we can't really get into his head and his feelings because mm-hmm. he refuses to talk about it. Yeah, something sparked him anyway, you know, because he was going for so many years. without. So I suppose it's like you said, it was just that he couldn't pay anymore. But it's like, well, then just stop. Mm-hmm. But maybe his addiction was that bad that he, would you really mm-hmm. kill for that? I mean, well, he obviously just didn't think much of women at all, did he? Probably not, no. Wright is still being investigated with in connection with other murders and disappearances. So, I mean, the police found five bodies, but that doesn't mean there was only five bodies. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Susie Lamplug, she went missing in the early 1980s. And oh. she was actually working on the same ocean liner. Remember he worked on an ocean liner? No. He, they worked together on that no. ocean liner. She was last seen alive in 1986, but was legally declared dead in 94. And her body has never been found. Yeah. And like, I wonder in Thailand, maybe, did he? Oh, I wonder in Thailand. Do you know, like that could be hard to trace. Yeah, it's hard to know. Was that, did he just go on a spree or was there some, some over the years? Uh, to me, it does feel like the spree is when he started. Mm-hmm. The spree feels like it was his first time kill. He got a real buzz for it. Like... And he has an addictive personality. He just couldn't mm-hmm. stop. It was like a frenzy. Like once he'd done it, it was just like he couldn't get enough or something. Mm-hmm. This right. is obviously just my take. And that's it. The end. Weird, weird man. Crazy. Like I wonder if he spoke in prison at all. You know, if you're his roommate, I don't know. Do we do roommates in the UK? Do, or do they have their own rooms? Where? In uni? In in, in prison. Sorry. Cellmate, I, I should think say. They have Not roommate. <laughs> Roommate. 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 Um, you know, like if 
like they would be frustrated as well they'd be like why don't you talk <laughs> like I would be so annoyed <laughs> if I was around him and he's just quiet and weird he sounds like one of those quiet guys you know and they do get away with a lot great well done that was a crazy one see you on the next one guys swan wall I always say that <laughs> swan wall ma oh my god see you on the next one guys swan wall yeah bye he's 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 stuttered he stuttered as well you were like see you in the next one (laughs) (laughs) me time and murder would like to thank and acknowledge our sources that make this podcast possible references can be found on our instagram page